You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, a writer over 24-7 sports focused on prospects and the draft. Since there was no game today, we're going to bop around and look at a few other things. We're going to look at the upcoming series with the Baltimore Orioles. We're going to spend a little time around the minors. We have uh, two teams to look at, and then after that, we'll spend a little more time on some draft talk, things I'm hearing, things that uh, are going on, who's rising, and such. So the Indians have uh, basically the cure-all that they are going to be facing uh, very soon in Baltimore, which is the Baltimore Orioles, a four-game series against the worst team in the American League, the team that has the worst team in baseball last year. Now, I want to feel like this should be a series where they at least take three out of four, but we did split two out of four games with the Marlins, who are the worst team in baseball this year. The Indians have Boward, Rodriguez, Bieber, and Carrasco going, which does give them their best chance to win. On the other side of things, against Boward, you have Dan Straley. Dylan Bundy is going up against uh, Rodriguez. Bieber is facing John Means, and then we'll have to see if it's Kashner, Hess, who they'll have in Game 4. They've kind of bounced around this year. Straley's got an ERA over 8. Bundy's got an ERA over 5. Means has been their most effective pitcher with an ERA a little over 2. Now, ERA is far from the be-all, end-all. But uh, when you get down to it, Straley is walking almost as many guys as he's striking out. Um, both numbers are not good. Bundy is Bundy's walking under four and striking out almost nine, but he's giving up over two home runs a game. Straley is giving up three home runs a game. Uh, Means is giving up over a home run a game. These are all just ridiculously high numbers. Um and their pen is extremely home run prone as well. So as a team, the Orioles uh, give up a lot of home runs. Michael Givens has been a solid closer for them. You would normally be like, oh, that's the guy who's going to be their all-star representative. But they still have some players in that lineup. Trey Mancini was one of those guys who just hit and hit and hit in the minors. But he was never a ranked prospect. He's kind of he's one of those guys I saw many times when he was down in Bowie. And I'm like, this guy's good. He should get more run than he gets. And he helps, you know, I go back and I look at guys like him and I'm like, why, what were we missing? You know, he was an eighth round pick from Notre Dame, a program that has a long history. Not the strongest history, I'll be honest, but it does have a long history of production. In the minors, he was consistently productive. uh, And not only was he consistently productive, he consistently hit for power his last few years down there. And, I mean, I don't think he's going to hit 318 this entire year. At some point, he's going to cool off. But the power is legit and not a bad return for an eighth-round pick. Dwight Smith is excelling for them this year. Um, Dwight Smith Jr., I should probably say. And it's not like Dwight Smith Jr. came out of nowhere. This is a former first-round pick by the uh, Toronto Blue Jays back in 2011, 53rd overall, back when you would have the competitive balance would last forever. He was acquired uh, just this past March from the Blue Jays for international bonus slot money. And he's been a good athlete. He was known as a good athlete as a Georgia high schooler. Obviously, he's 
26 years old now. Um, he'll be 27 before the end of the year. He spent forever in the minors, but there were always tools. He could show some power here. He could walk. He never struck out a ton, which is always a, a, a nice little indicator to see when you see that a guy isn't getting overpowered in the minors. And he had two minor looks with the Blue Jays, and in both of those minor looks, he posted no PS over 800. Now, that was only about uh, a little over 100 plate appearances, but still, in over 100 plate appearances in nearly 50 games, he was able to be a productive major leaguer. He gets traded off. He's now in Baltimore, and he's got a sh- he's getting a shot this year. He's got eight home runs. That would obviously lead the Indians. He's hitting two eighty six. Again, he is walking at a decent rate, and he's not striking out a lot. He's a contact guy. There's always been tools there, and it's one of those under-the-radar uh, sign, uh, trades. It's a great trade. No matter what happens from this point forward, it's a great trade. Trading international slot money and getting – what are we at now you know two months worth of production is that's that's a good value i mean international slot money i'd have to see how much obviously that could change things but it's one of those long-term investments you're not getting bang for your buck anytime soon and the amount of flame out risk is higher than anywhere else you can invest so dwight smith jr uh, that's a utterly fantastic deal He's actually second on their team in baseball reference war. If you're wondering who was first, that is John Means, the pitcher who I mentioned earlier, who he's an interesting player from the perspective that he's just not given up that many runs. Um, his FIP shows a guy that uh, his ERA should be almost two runs higher than where it is right now. He's got a low hit rate, home run rates over one, walk rate a little over two, strikeout rate under eight. It's a profile that looks like a back-end starter, but he has been unbelievably good so far through six games started, and he worked another four out of the pen. So he's kind of the pitcher for Baltimore to watch in this series. End of the day, though, this team is bad. Now, they do have enough stalwarts in the lineup. Even, you know, you go through Jonathan Villar, who they got when they traded uh, Shoup to uh, Milwaukee last year. OPS over 700. The Indians would take anyone with an OPS over 700. Pedro uh, Severino, their catcher, is performing this year. They've got, you know, and then for the rest of the the you knows are coming back. Chris Davis. Okay. Chris Davis had that extremely rough start to the year. But the fact he's up to a 666 OPS, you compare it against some guys on the Indians who have had rough starts, There's there has been production. Chris Davis has offensively produced more than some of the veterans on the Indians, and Davis had that ridiculous slump at the start of the year. What I do like what the Orioles are doing is you go through this lineup, the guys who are getting the most starts. Okay, you got Richie Martin, who was the former first-round pick who they took in the Rule 5 draft at shortstop. Rio Ruiz was a central trade figure when he went to the the Braves from the Astros and the, uh, the deal for... Evan Gaddis, I believe. Or was it Brian McCann? I think it was Gaddis, right? Because McCann then went from Atlanta to New York. So yeah, it's the Gaddis deal. He was one of the, the big names in that deal. He was a, a former high pick. You go down, Renato Nunez was a former like high-value uh, prospect. 
and that's what they have. They're going through and they're giving these guys who have maybe not been given extended looks or have had shorter looks, you know, Dwight Smith Jr., who I mentioned before. They're just letting these kids go out and seeing what they can find. They're giving... Uh, I mean, Davis is the only player over the age of 28. Jonathan Villar at 28 is the second oldest everyday player they have. Third oldest is Trey Mancini, who's 27 right now. So they're just giving guys who've had pedigrees, who scouts have liked, who have had minor league production, and they're they're sending them out. They're seeing what they can do and what they can produce, and I think that is a genius way to rebuild because they're developing their minors. They have the right people in place. They're going to have tons of draft capital this year. And if you're going to be awful, strip it down. You know, Trade what you can trade, which they did a year ago. Build up those minors even more. And then give these marginal players a chance. Um, it doesn't always work out. It very rarely works out. But just in recent Indians history, you can think of someone like Casey Blake. Or if you want to go the other way, you can see what Aguilar did for the Brewers last year or what Urshila is doing right now for the Yankees. Um I think it's a smart approach. I like what they're doing. But this all being said, this is not a good team. They are, by record, the worst team in the American League, the second-worst team in baseball. The Indians should win most of these matchups. They should be have a three-game winning, uh, should take three of four in this series. Anything else is a disappointment from my perspective. Hiring can be hard. Multiple jobs, stacks of resume, confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matchmaking technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. This isn't just um, something where people can apply for they have to be invited and as we all know an invite is better than just a cattle call as applications come in ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great candidate ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day and right now my listeners can try ZipRecruiter free at this exclusive web address ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter slash locked on. L O C K E D O N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And we're back, and it's time for some minor league talk. Um, my school, to give some look behind the background here, I'm, you know, my day job is a teacher. Uh, every year, the fifth graders go on a trip to the Akron Rubber Ducks to uh, see a game. They have these educational games that start at 1030. The players absolutely hate them because who wants to be at the ballpark before 1030? So it's not their favorite game. But uh, I was a little disappointed. I didn't go this year. This is the first time I hadn't gone in the three years that we've been doing it. And I would have been much more tempted. They're facing uh, Bowie right now. But uh, my school went on Wednesday they got on Tuesday, the chance to see Zach Lothar would have been enough for me to, to try to figure my way as one of the adults on that trip, as I've been a fan of his since his Xavier days, and he's such an interesting prospect because everyone keeps telling me, he's well, his stuff's so fringy, his stuff's so fringy, and 
he's awesome to see because it's he has deception. He hides the ball well. It's hard for pitchers or hitters to pick it up. He's able to to adjust and change things. He's a really interesting pitcher. Uh, Alex Wells, and no knock on him, he's just not in that Lothar class. Now down there in Akron today, uh, Sam Henkes though had his best start far and away of the year. He went seven innings strong. He didn't give up any runs. There were no runs scored in this game until extra innings, as a matter of fact. But for a pitcher who's been really struggling all year long, it was really nice to see Henkes go out and have that performance. Hopefully he can build on this and go from here. But, uh, you know, since uh, this game in particular was near and dear to my heart, uh, with my some of my students there, some of them going to their first baseball game ever as I talked to them before they left, that, uh, you know, that uh, it was nice to see from my perspective that Henkes pitched so well in that game. Well, hopefully he'll carry it on and we'll get to see more. The sad thing is even though he pitched so well because the game ended up ending in, I believe, the 12th inning, he didn't get a win, um, again, showing how little value pitcher win has. But uh, it was kind of interesting as an Indians fan perspective because they won in the no they won in the eleventh that's it it was in the eleventh that they won is that Daniel Johnson hit his eighth home run of the year um, it was a three run shot and they end up winning five to two Johnson's eight home runs stands out for a couple of reasons one we always knew he had power but the other thing is. Uh, They've started using in AAA the same balls that they're using in the majors, and we have seen an explosion of power in AAA. AA is not using that yet. So the fact that he already has eight home runs um, at this point in the season just goes to show how much power potential there is in Johnson. Um, He's playing center field down there. He went one for five today with the strikeout, but the one was a big one. So, I mean, he's clearly the top hitting prospect down there. Um, you know, there's a lot of old friend names at this point. Guys like Kai Tom and Alexis Pantejo and Nelly Rodriguez. But Clement and Johnson, Maribel to a lesser degree, were kind of the guys that stood out. And Kyle Nelson is an interesting left-hander to watch who they've kind of pushed up quickly. Um, just keep him in mind. He seems to be differentiated from that other group. Like, there's the the group of lefties that are just interchangeable, it seems. Spear, Krauth. Um, There's more to that. I've said the list before. But there's that grouping of lefties that are all about some other stuff. Tanner Tully. Uh, Nelson seems to be someone that they've put a priority on. They've moved him quickly, so just keep that name in mind. Going back to Johnson, just looking at the overall stats of this team this year. Um... The nice thing is that he is walking 11% of the time, which is a good amount. He is striking out 22% of the time, which is a bit higher. But uh, recently, someone like Bradley Zimmer's strikeout rate in the minor was higher than that. So 22 is uh, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world either. So what we're seeing with Johnson is I don't think he's... Okay, I am almost 100% positive he will never hit for average. That's just not going to be his game. But he looks like a potential three-outcomes athlete. And especially if he can be an average defender in center field, there's a lot of value in that profile. I'll be curious to see how much they uh, they get aggressive. Johnson's playing right field, left field, center field. He can play anywhere you want. He has the power potential. And when a guy hits for power in Akron, that makes you take notice because that Akron Stadium is one of the 
worst places for hitters to hit um, in all of the minors. So the fact that he is excelling down there, hitting for power in Akron, is a really positive sign about that tool and the overall power potential that Daniel Johnson shows. He's, a, you know, it, and I'm not just rooting for him because uh, he and I share the same birthday, which uh, last year is like three draft prospects who had that birthday. So maybe July 11th is just a baseball birthday. Something to keep in mind. But uh, Johnson is only, tw- he'll be 24 this year. He was drafted back in 2016. So he does not need to be added to the 40-man this offseason. I think they have one more year. But if he continues to hit for power, continues to play defense, continues to walk, he'll be at least getting to call up to AAA sooner than later, especially because he did spend some time last year in AA with Harrisburg, spent most of the season there, as a matter of fact. So, And, you know, just to show a change in his approach, I mentioned the walk rate this year is at 11%. Last year it was at... Uh, under 6%. And last year in 89 games, he walked uh, 23 times for Harrisburg. In 31 games, he's already up to 14 walks. So he is taking a different approach. I don't know if the Indians sat down and talked with him. He did walk in college. We see his walk rate in New Mexico. Uh, He started out at junior college. Those stats don't really have a ton of value. But his first year at New Mexico State, he had a walk percent of over 11%. And then the next year, he started to really try and swing for the fences. That walk percentage went down. And that's what you have to kind of balance with him. You you know, he's a player that the swing can get long. But if he is able to just stay consistent, there's there's a lot of potential in Daniel Johnson. So I mentioned uh, Henkes with the start today. Uh, the big news over the past week or so is they well, – there's a, a trio of big news. Uh they activated Aaron Saval, who's, uh, I think he's going to be a future reliever, but here's a guy they drafted before Shane Bieber in the same draft, gave him a bigger signing bonus, and in a lot of places was rated higher than Bieber. He's almost fastball slider uh, entirely, but name to know, uh, as a former high pick, they called up Eli Morgan, who got his first start last Friday, and I believe is getting a start tomorrow uh, against Redding which is a horrible park for pitchers. That's a, kind of a great test to see how he'll perform. The You still have Nick Sandlin in the pen. James Karinchak got the push up to AAA. He's just been otherworldly filthy this year. Um, if the Indians need an arm, I would not be surprised if Karinchak hits the majors this year. And the other interesting one was Zach Plesak at the push up to AAA. I've always been a Plesak fan. He's was in my top 30. Um, I know he wasn't there in a lot of places, but he always knew how to pitch. He had missed some developmental time. I remember hearing how excited he was when the Indians drafted him, partially because at that point, players know which teams are analytical, which ones are pitcher-focused and can really work with you. And Plesak had been a uh, two-way player at Ball State, then he missed some time with injury. Uh, He's just incredibly sharp this year. There's always been potential. Um, but I don't think anyone expected what we've seen. But his push up to AAA, I mean, he's he's putting himself massively on the map for the Indians this year, and he's probably there to stay. Uh, it's just great to see one of those day three kids who's overcome something uh, reach that height. It's interesting to look at the Indians, though, from the degree of with all of their injuries, 
they do have some interesting pitching all of a sudden in the upper minors. Karen Chalk has taken a step forward this year. Plesak has taken a step forward this year. You have Henkes, who struggled but showed some signs of life today. You got Morgan, who's pushing up. You got Sandlin, your second-round pick from a year ago, who's also just blowing hitters away down there. Kyle Nelson, who was drafted a year ago as a left-handed uh, pitcher, who's uh, they're pushing quickly through the minors. There is some interesting pitching that is starting to ascend for the Indians, and that's good for them. Uh, I mean, it's good for anyone. And as I'm talking about all these pitching I'm hoping some of you are also thinking, oh, you haven't even mentioned Tristan McKenzie yet, arguably in some places, the Indians' number one prospect, their number one pitcher. Um, I had him number two in system. But we're talking about all these other guys, and maybe the best one of the whole group hasn't even started pitching yet. So um, as we look forward, don't not look forward to, but as we look forward uh, to a future where some of these players on the Indians staff are going to be reaching free agency or starting to get up there in age. It is nice that we're starting to see some players who can fill in. That it, you know, you have Bieber and you have Clevenger as kind of the core, but there is some hope there that maybe uh, they can keep a degree of competitiveness even further down the line. Uh, I'm going to quickly do about two minutes on the draft here at the end. So at this time of year, people always want to know, oh, who's rising? Who are you hearing? Who's the talk? One of the hottest names right now has to be Jackson Rutledge, the San Jacinto uh, Community College pitcher. Arkansas decided not to put him on their postseason roster last year. Um, That led to some hurt feelings, which I can't blame him for, and he decided it was best to leave. If he had stayed at Arkansas and was doing anything remotely close to what he's doing right now, he'd probably be in the top five talk. He could still go in the top five. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, There's three pitches that flash plus. The fastball could be plus plus. My concern is height. Um, Guys that big scare, scare the crap out of me. Uh, mechanically, there's issues, consistency issues. I, none of this is necessarily reflected in what we've seen with Jackson Rutledge. And teams are right now falling over themselves, trying to see him, trying to have him in if possible. He's uh, he's very much on the rise and is someone you need to know at this point as a high pick. Um, I had him at 25 on my board, and as I was very honest, it just is that height and my concern with pitchers of that height. When it works out, it's fantastic, but it's a, it's a bigger risk. Another interesting story that I've seen developing, because uh, Fangraphs put in their mock, and Anthony Volpe to the Seattle Mariners. Now Jerry Depoto's the most conservative drafting GM in baseball, which is funny because he's also the guy who was there when they drafted Mike Trout in the first round. And the guy they took before, Mike Trout, Randall uh, Gerchik, is a productive player as well. Both were high school talents. So Volpe is rumored to want to be on the East Coast, that he's his teammate um, is Jack Leiter, the son of Al Leiter, and both of them have high bonus demands, and both of them have kind of said they'd only go to certain teams. Seattle is obviously not on the East Coast. Fangraphs put him in there in the mock, and literally the night before I was told that the Mariners are all over him. Check this out. So... You know, just something to keep in mind. It's it's nice confirmation the next day to see it in another place. But uh, that's kind of what I'm hearing right now in terms of some little draft talk. Those are two players that uh, are very hot, a lot of discussion on. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the extra draft bits here at the end. Um, Looking forward to the Indians hopefully winning a series against the Baltimore Orioles. And as always, go Tribe.